Time Lord. I'm Daniel Levain, and I had never seen Doctor Who until I started this podcast, and now I have chugged all the way through season one, and I finally made it to the fabled Christmas episode, the Christmas special. I finally sat down and watched the Christmas Invasion, or a Christmas Invasion. Sure, we'll discuss what the actual title is, but uh, this this is such a big event for me that I wanted to bring in two of my favorite guests on the podcast because both of them have combined more experience and years of Doctor Who fandom than some of you listeners have been alive. So join me in welcoming Ouch. John Sobel <laughs> and Eric Sweetman. Wait, this isn't about Hanukkah? I'm so confused. Uh, it, it could be. <laughs> it's a Hanukkah invasion. It's a Hanukkah invasion. We can, <laughs> we can celebrate with lights. I'm confused. Illuminate. Yeah. <laughs> Being Jewish, it's just confusing going doing to do with the Christmas stuff. I don't know. I don't know if I should be here or not. <laughs> <laughs> You're a Doctor Who fan. You can be oh, okay. part of the Christmas right, special. I will be here. Yeah. Happy Christmas, and Mary it's Hanukkah. it's not even coming out on Christmas. This is you know this is our Thanksgiving Thanksgiving. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and happy Thanksgiving so, to you and yours. Exactly. Hopefully, it's all COVID free. But let's jump right in. I I just watched the episode today, and wow, <laughs> like that's. <laughs> That's a subtle way of phrasing it. Yeah, that's that's like an introduction. Like that. That's like rebooting the show. Like twelve episodes later, they're like, "Okay, we're just going to start you over again," and here you go. Well, of course, that's what they did because yeah, you know, when they did, had the first season with Christopher Eccleston, they were contracted for the one season because they didn't know if they were going to have a second. They just, it's like, if nobody likes this, if nobody's watching, we'll have done everything we can, and then that'll be it. We're ready to wrap it up. They obviously had huge success with that first season, but they couldn't convince Christopher to stick around and do another one. So they went ahead and exactly rebooted. Just let's move forward, and you know, we're going to keep the, uh, the same companion. We're going to keep the same uh, family of the companion. We're going to remind people that uh, you know Rose had Mickey in her life and her mom and all that. And then it's like, oh, the only thing that's really changed is every little bit about the doctor. <laughs> He's got a lot more hair now. A lot more hair, yes, and uh, also the and also the, I mean the tr- time honored tradition of uh, the the complete changeover, uh, you know, happening with the you know as this new as the new uh, series has started by doing it this in this grandiose scale in the old shows. Uh, I'm sure Eric, you'll remember the the uh, regenerations were completely different. It was oh, a yeah. little bit of glowing yeah. light, and boom, there was a change. <laughs> Yeah, because they didn't have that good of special effects. Exactly. This was amazing. Yeah, this one just like, oh, my God, that was fantastic. Um, and then all of a sudden he's he's weakened. You know, he can't stay conscious, well, which was an interesting to, choice. To, uh, to be fair, I, I did – because I want to be a completist, <laughs> I did watch the uh, Children in Need special on YouTube that basically 
picks up right from the end of parting the way parting of the ways and there's a little bit more uh of his immediate time after the transformation before he falls ill uh and there's a whole lot of discussion about like instead of rushing to look into a mirror he like feels his head and is like, oh, I've got hair. Oh, I've got big hair. And <laughs> I've got sideburns. And I've got, you know, like, oh, oh, I found a mole on my back. Like, it was, it was kind of silly, but at the same time, I found it so endearing uh, because I, I, I was genuinely concerned. I really liked uh, Chris Eccleson. And I, I, the, it was so jarring to see tenant's face emerge from that glowing light mm-hmm. that I, I i was not sure and just that little special i was like okay he's he's keeping that childlike that sort of excited excitement that uh, christopher alkinson yeah, had as the doctor yeah yeah and Curiosity. so i i felt very okay with that uh and it's great because you know you see him getting a little crazy and you see that clearly something isn't quite right with him yet because of the transformation and that leads right into the episode we're talking about today with that TARDIS coming in and like it's the first time we see the TARDIS flying in right usually up until now at least we've seen the the TARDIS only flying when it's in that weird state of flux uh whereas now we saw it flying in and like hitting the buildings before it landed uh, that was that was awesome. I was I was really just like wow. They've they've stepped up yeah. their game. Yeah. Well, I was going to say about the whole uh, doctor, uh, you know, not being well. It's a it's a trope that they've used for a long time, and only a couple of doctors in history haven't done that. Um, let's see. It was who was it? Uh, Patrick Troughton for the second doctor. Tom Baker the fourth doctor, and Matt Smith is the eleventh doctor, and they were allowed to hit the ground running. Um, otherwise pretty much every doctor has done this, um, uh, being asleep, being out of it, being, um, uh, unconscious, uh, as they go along for, for, for moments, for, for moments, um, you know, some of it's like, you know, because in the old way of uh, the shows happening, it was like half hour shows and they would just take as many half hour shows as they needed to, to complete the episode, mm. to complete the storyline. Um, mm-hmm. like, uh, where was it? My, my lovely notes here that I can't read. Um, <laughs> it was, um, Peter Davidson, who was the fifth doctor, uh, was like, mm-hmm. you know, mo- more than half of, of his, uh, first episodes, episodes, uh, he was unconscious, um, hmm. for it. So, it's, well, you know, it allows for a nice, uh, a way for the, the, uh, companions to be able to, um, figure out what they're going to do without their doctor. And, you know, once they get comfortable with the routine or discover that they really can't handle the crisis at hand, then the doctor can just, oh, here he is and swoops in and fixes the stuff. So, you know, I can see how this is a, uh, it's a good way of giving it to the point where, of course, we need a doctor. They're the only ones who can do what they do. And it keeps on with the whole point of keeping the audience involved with the fact that yes you have a new actor in this part but we have everyone else is the same that you've grown and loved Mm. yes yes so uh jumping right in with questions um so the 
you know, they, they land, everything is great. Uh, Mickey is there and uh, Rose's mom. I always forget her name. Jackie. Jackie. Jackie, yeah. uh, you know, super glad to see them. Um, and then they're, they're, they're walking through the whatever Christmas market they were. And the, the, the weird metal mask Santas with like blowtorch tubas w- w- trombones yeah like like oh, yeah. every every uh um brass band for christmas ever what sure sure yeah. i mean <laughs> i have i have the, a, the, uh, a tuba uh, a trombone in my in downstairs that will blow fire if necessary well uh, you know i, I, I clearly went to the wrong high school then. <laughs> um <laughs> they don't they didn't have that in kansas i'm shocked uh, no uh, <laughs> yeah, you gotta go to the big cities for that uh, yeah. uh, okay, uh, <laughs> big talk there from Chicago. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, like, why were they after Rose and and Mickey? Like, and Mickey, right? Would like what would draw them to like they especially if the, the we're we're jumping all over the place here. But uh, the the implication uh, when when we see the the. Uh, the invading aliens is that you know the the TARDIS is not working, uh, or the the psychic connection to the TARDIS is not working. Um, so why why would they be after uh, Rose and Mickey? Well, I'm going to hypothesize here a little bit. Um, the same way that in the very first episode of Christopher Eccleston, you had once you are aware of the bigger universe. The bigger universe becomes aware of you. And so because Rose had just very recently in this grand scheme of things released the um, all the power of the TARDIS into the Doctor, um, that, that whole sense, that, that energy of the regeneration, the energy of the TARDIS itself is still out there sending the signal and uh, bringing people to it. So all these aliens are looking for that power source, and she smells of it. You know, maybe Mickey could be out there without her and be okay, but she's been around the doctor for too much. She's got that that scent upon her. That's my theory. I like that theory. John? I know I like that theory a lot. That you know they, oh, they yeah. happen to you know it's just the. The sense of the travel, it could be, you know, something that's within the body when you do time travel and space travel that, you know, links them to them. Obviously, um, as it said much later on, you're being noticed. Um, mm. Earth is being noticed now. And so yes. they're finding, so yeah. the, so the uh, pilot fish, as they're, you know, basically talked yeah, about, mm-hmm. yeah. um, are, you know, are, sensing, are sensing the uh, energies of space. Even even though the, there is no current connection to the TARDIS, it's the the residual uh, energies that are being sort of emitted that that yes. draw them in. Why not? Yes. Okay. That'll work for me. Sure. I mean, yeah, it, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, if <laughs> if there is no actual canon explic- explanation, I appreciate. Uh, you know, I, I I can I can concur with yeah. that. I can side with that. Yeah. No. It's all um, the notes so, that I've seen and read about this episode. They, you know, it's just oh well. Let's we have to attack the the doctors slash the doctors people. So it's a good enough explanation for me. <laughs> sure. 
Uh, the the other thing I I loved how um, immediately, even though Rose's mom has always sort of been against the doctor, she immediately is like, "Oh yeah, absolutely, put him in the house, put him in my bed, let him sleep." You know, like like everything is fine. Oh, um, I wonder what else he's got two of. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, that was. That was a very fun uh, adult line, yes. uh, but the, the the fact that all of a sudden they get attacked by a Christmas tree, right? And that for the first time, like Mickey doesn't even seem all that worried. Like you know, Mickey was scared of this this Levine, uh, mm-hmm. and Mickey has you know stepped up his courage a little bit. But like Mickey's sitting there, like throwing a chair into it, like, okay, you guys good? All right, let's run now. Like that was great. Yeah, yeah. Mickey, Mickey has a, uh, um, you know, you can see him building his courage, his confidence, his who he is. It's going to continue. Uh, just yeah, you you keep an eye on him in the future. He's he's going to be more interesting as he, as time goes on. I I really appreciated that from him. I, you know, it, he does pull out his usual line of like, "Oh, you're you're still with him." You're like, "Okay, I get it. Like, stop being the mopey character." But you know, for a moment there, he was actually courageous and doing the things, and I, I, I was mm-hmm. very proud of Mickey at that moment. Uh, but that the spiraling Christmas tree just seems like such a funny like. Like it was difficult for me to like find that threatening for them. Like it was comical, yeah. even the pattern that it makes on the wall. Well, yeah, know? here's a silhouette of a Christmas tree. <laughs> right, right, right. It was very like you know Who Framed Roger Rabbit oh, yeah. sort of moment. Absolutely, it was, that was the one thing that was like out of all the things they had to do, that was the one thing that make it so you know that it's still Doctor Who. It's not a really threatening. It's really not dangerous because everything right. as dangerous and horrible as it sounds and it seems, it's not that bad. It's still a show <laughs> for kids. You know, for, you know, it, it's not just a kid show, but kids are able to watch this thing. And maybe they're hiding behind their sofas in the classic, oh, I'm too scared to watch. But it's still meant to bring the whole family together to enjoy this episode, this this series. And it's I just I, I found it so funny that, you know, Rose is just like whispering in the doctor's ears like, save me. And immediately, like, the doctor's like, okay, let me get up. I'm going to uh, – although – and this could be just me, again, like, starting to overanalyze things. But as she puts the sonic screwdriver in his hand, I'm pretty sure she handed to him upside down. Like, if, you, if you're watching the episode, uh, go back and watch it again. Like, uh, until now, usually the blue end is the, the end that always gets pointed out. Right. And when she's – handing him the sonic screwdriver and putting it in his hand you see the the front end of it going into the deeper recesses of his palm which i was like is she like trying to fix him like is she is she going to try to activate the the sonic screwdriver and use it and then she says those words and he gets up and points it and you're like did he do like a little flip on his hand? Like, I don't understand how that sure. worked out. Two different scenes. Sure. Just just kinda, yes. Yes. Two different scenes. <laughs> Oops. Sure. Sure. But so it, he gets up, he, you know, destroys the thing uh, and he's awake 
or awaken for a moment. And then he's trying to say something to Rose's mom and she keeps interrupting him, which is a very funny up? scene. <laughs> and then he ends up basically falling. Was he at that point going to say, I need a cup of tea? No, I don't know if he knew what he needed at that moment. Oh, and I think um, exactly that was what he was trying to say. That he was legitimately he's like, I just need a cup of right, tea. Not that he knows that it'll help him, but he needs a cup of tea. Sure. Yeah, because, you know, it's a very, very English thing to do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, uh, it just, it, it was so funny that he's like, I need, I need, I need, I need. And then finally he's like, I just need you to shut up. And then he <laughs> falls back, you know, he, he crumbles again. And then clearly later in the episode, he's just like, oh, that's all I need is just a spot of tea to help with the neurons and the this and that and the tannins and the tea, uh, you know, in a very Doctor Who explanation. But yeah. you're like, that's so funny. Like, uh, it, it 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 helped me tie back to the moment because I was laughing out loud as uh, Rose's mom just kept spouting like maybe this, maybe that, maybe uh, something for your headache, maybe a, a, such a funny moment there. It's such a Jackie move too. So it was like just oh, keep yeah. talking and not letting the person need who needs to be helped tell you what they need. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, right. If somebody was choking, they'd be completely dead and six foot under before she stopped talking. <laughs> But she was always, she was also very mom-like, like, you know, for, for a person that is not necessarily seen eye to eye with the doctor, she was very concerned and she was, you know, doing her mom thing. And it's like, do you need this? Do you need that? Do you need like going, rattling off all the things that she knows she can give him or has immediate access to, you know, it was kind of a cute moment. Um, but you know, we, we see the return of, uh, the, the, um, I guess now she's prime minister, but, uh, Oh yes. Yes. Um, um, God, why I'm blanking on her name now. Not Harriet Bridget Jones. Jones. Harriet, Harriet Jones. Harriet Fly Jones, down prime north. <laughs> yeah. Yes, now ma'am. she's know, you know, Harriet Jones, prime minister. Um, uh, which I was, I was so pleased to see her back in this episode, and they even Jackie even mentions how you know the, they're calling it uh, London's golden age or England's golden age. So just like you know, we were told by the doctor uh, in the first season, I was very happy. Um, but then, like immediately, they start talking about Torchwood. Mm-hmm. So I, <laughs> I'm gathering. That Torchwood is an organization like UNIT? Yeah. Yeah, you can say that. <laughs> we'll go with okay. that. So it's a, it's an organization like UNIT, sort of. Clearly a little different because, you know, they had to do some stuff. They didn't respond <laughs> right away. Um, but that that's some heavy-duty firepower. That's like Death Star kind of. Yeah, that's not a moon. <laughs> I mean, the, like beams of energy coming out of the street of London, you know, and focusing onto a point. You know, yeah, that, you that's jumped a, way ahead of our plot on this. Uh, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm just asking. I'm asking questions <laughs> oh, okay, because okay. The, 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 there were a lot of questions that pe- popped up. So, like, are there? Is this the, the like the extraterrestrial help, or you know? In in previous episodes, they said an old Earth 
uh, establishment and they mentioned Torchwood. That's mm-hmm. that's how the reference well, comes up. Well, they were up. also very much in the future. That was in the uh, you know the trivia question for Bad Wolf, and mm-hmm. so for them, like yes, it's uh, it's it's been established that uh, that this Torchwood exists and has been there for a little while at least. Um, but you'll have to wait a little longer before you find out just how old it is. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that was just, that was a lot of firepower. Um, oh, yeah. but I, <laughs> I love the fact that, uh, units, uh, like headquarters are in the basement of the old castle of, <laughs> uh, of the tower of the London tower. Yes. <laughs> and they, and, and right with the uh, logo on the door so that you know exactly who they are. Of course. Yeah. You with know. that secret, secret location with their <laughs> advertising on the door. Right. Well, it's like shield, right? you're like, there's such a secret organization that they have a whole building with their logo on it. <laughs> you know, and you walk in, things. it says shield, you know, <laughs> you're like, not so secret. No, maybe yeah. not so secret. Yeah, the men in black were a little bit more subtle. <laughs> exactly. You're like, ah, it's just a power plant. Um, but I, I, I like that moment because, you know, having visited London recently, that was one of the places that I visited. And it was kind of cool. Like, I know exactly where they are. Did you before see that they... door? <laughs> no, I did not see that door. Um, you were looking I did not. I mean, I was looking. I have lots of video from that uh, Maybe visit. Maybe you saw the door and you didn't notice. <laughs> I, I mean, I might have. Yeah, you're right. I might. I, I was also not a Doctor Who fan at the time, so I would. I couldn't appreciate where we were. So in hindsight, I'm going back to past Daniel. Uh, you know, tra- time traveling in my own TARDIS and telling my own self, "Hey, you were there." <laughs> <laughs> you know uh okay. it is what it is but um so she is you know we see her we see the prime minister she's clearly uh aware and involved with unit uh she says a code nine uh and then starts talking about the doctor so is that the thing that gets triggered whenever somebody it, through government communications mentions the doctor like we saw in in world war three Go ahead, Eric, with that one. Okay, yeah. Um, in the uh, in the older series of, of Doctor Who, um, the Doctor was definitely working with Unit a lot, and they did have specific codes where they would um, mention him, you know, because he was so powerful they didn't want to really name him. Like, you don't want to let the other people out there know that you've got this alien who is incredibly powerful. The alien life is not particularly known or well known on the planet prior to this but you could tell from the uh when they were saying oh these guys are martians it's like no they martians look nothing like that um because they've seen beings from mars back before mm-hmm. um yeah those those they they know what those those guys look like and they they were not the same as the the new aliens um and so yeah there is a just the code that that signals this is who we're dealing with. And, and it does give the doctor um, at different times an immense amount of power over um, earth resources. Mm. Stuff that yeah, he doesn't it, keep, you know, he doesn't want the power. So he, he rejects it as soon as he's uh, capable of saying, okay, I'm not doing this anymore. Hmm. 
Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we we are introduced to a new species that we hadn't seen before. Right. Uh, what what is the name of the species? Because in my head, I I call them something else. The Sycorax. The Sycorax. Which is. Yeah, oh, my, no. and I just called them the Conan the Barbarian. People. Yeah, okay, well, we're going to throw a little little uh, history in here. The name Sycorax is named after the witch who gave birth to Caliban in Shakespeare's Tempest. Oh, it's a character that's Look never that. seen. But it's literature, yes, but it's described <laughs> by the wizard Prospero, who is described as a blue-eyed hag who is let let on her who was left on her magical island by sailors. And gotcha. I have a lot more here, but that's enough. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's yeah, great. The Sycorant. Sycorax. No, what was Sycorax. the? Sycorax. The Sycorax. Um, but I, it, I, as I'm always prone to do, considering I'm coming into this fandom in my 40s, I equated back to things that seemed... Uh, similar to my uh, to me in my youth, and uh, that ship looked an awful lot like the uh, destroyers from Crawl. Oh God, yeah, it's right? been a long time since I thought of. Oh crawl. yeah, <laughs> think about it. Like, know, going, wait, yeah, oh, man, yeah, yeah. It, you know, like immediately it sort of evoked a little bit of that feeling. I was like, wow, I wonder if the beast is going to like come around the corner and make an appearance. <laughs> um, but uh, I loved how the, the the British government, using the you know the the top of the line technology of that day, using the palm pre you know the it was a Hewlett Packard uh, like um, oh what were those called It was like a digital planner. It wasn't even like a full fledged phone at the time. But that's what he uses to translate before the TARDIS officially kicks a in. Palm pilot? So, you know, he's pretty smart. <laughs> there you it go. Was, yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was like a pre – it was like a, a – Palm Pilot was owned by 3Com right. at that point. <laughs> it was a U.S. robotics property that got bought out by 3Com. Um, but it was like the Hewlett-Packard equivalent to it. Um, and he's like pulling it out. And I'm like, Ooh, let me, I'm going to translate this. And I'm sitting there looking at that giant brick in his hand. And you're like, wow, how far we've come. <laughs> Cause that was like 2000. I mean, it's British episodic. So I'm assuming that was all filmed in like early 2006. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, like 2006 and you're like, look how far we've come. <laughs> you know, the processing power on that thing is like not even, you know, like uh, an Apple watch has more processing power than that thing does. <laughs> well, you know, we actually landed on the moon with, you know, far, far less processing oh, power. Oh, I know. So I'm, it is amazing what we've been able to do in the past and uh, un- unbelievable what we're continuing to be able to do you know, how far and, we come uh, stepping out of the episode for a little bit uh it was also abundantly clear uh that they had a slightly bigger budget than most of the 
previous episodes from season one. Uh, and you can tell that part of that budget came from some deals with Sony because all of the laptops oh, yes. that the British government <laughs> uses in BIOS. the unit office are the Sony BIOS laptops. Which I had at that time. I, 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 yeah, my first uh, laptop from a couple of years earlier than that was was a Sony BIOS. Sony BIOS. <laughs> yes, product placement, yeah, everybody. Here we go. <laughs> it was Even very funny. Even governments need money. <laughs> well, and and I always, you know, uh, being a, a techno geek, uh, I, I love those kind of things because it you don't think of it at the time when you're watching it, but whenever you go back uh, years later, it very much dates whatever it is that you're seeing. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you go back to watch Lost now, uh, the cell phones that they use in that, and you're like, wow, when was this set? The 80s? <laughs> uh, even though we all lived through it, when you go back and watch it, you, it, it's so difficult to, you know, go from I'm holding a supercomputer in my hand called my smartphone and remembering that we all had these like silly little flip phone like Fisher Price toy, you know, yeah, things. We, we kept getting them smaller and smaller and smaller. And nowadays it's like, well, you can have them small, but we want to see the screen. So they're bigger. And bigger yeah. and bigger. <laughs> right. I need a bigger screen to play snake on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I love the technology, but uh, so they're in this ship and I, my assumption, and please correct me if I'm wrong, is that the reason the psychic connection uh, to the TARDIS is severed is because the doctor is the conduit. Without the doctor sort of being conscious, you are, it's not like the TARDIS directly connects to you. It's like the TARDIS connects to you through the antenna, which is the doctor. Am I am I off on this? Fairly good description of it. I think the doctor in this case is still being reset. So there are times where the doctor could be unconscious and you still get the uh, alien language translation issue or uh, the other things that the TARDIS is able to do. But because the doctor wasn't quite the doctor yet, so it, it, those those circuits hadn't create been been done it's not just him being unconscious is that he wasn't finished baking yet it's like the the software was loading but the os hadn't fully yes. been upgraded <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> like he went from windows 3.1 to windows 95 Ooh, there's a dated uh <laughs> it took I'd rather forever. talk about the flip phones before. <laughs> yeah, it um, came in a stack of ten floppy um, disks. Everybody, yes. CD-ROMs. Oh. Anyways, um, <laughs> uh, so uh, as he is unconscious, uh, again, we're jumping around in the episode, mm -hmm. uh, but as he is unconscious, uh, he keeps letting out these little wisps. Is that? reminences of the time vortex is that just energy that is being exuded from him because of the regeneration it's re yes it's regeneration energy yeah, and regeneration. He, he even mentions it in the episode that you know that's where the pilot fish uh were were gearing on was regeneration energy uh and obviously mm. being in the tardis when the initial regeneration happened uh again though he wasn't fully 
uh, done being baked at the time. I love that casa. Uh, I, love that, I love the way you, it was it said. Um, is that it's it still you know it picked up and I'm going to make gingerbread cookies that, and I'm going to call them regeneration <laughs> cookies. Uh, make sure they're baked. Yes. <laughs> and then it's but it's uh, even Rose because she was in the TARDIS during that time has some of that energy with her, which is why that's uh, definitely why. The the, She's the wasps it, yes. of it they would they yeah. would be targeting her yeah because mm-hmm. it, it escapes we see it escape into like outer space like right. from Rose's apartment into outer space yeah um, skipping and jump there right right <laughs> so then uh, it, it, great moment very cinematically done uh, where all of a sudden like you're 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 speaking you're speaking English. I would no, never I, sully my tongue with English. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and even even the guy that's holding on to uh, one of the, the, the uh, I forget which one of the, the humans, uh, like even even the alien like steps back to make way for the doors to open to reveal the doctor in the bathroom, mm-hmm. uh, which I found awesome. But, you know, that that's a great way to sort of reintroduce the doctor in now this new form yeah i love and then the almost deep- with uh with him just being in the bathrobe in the pajamas and he's he's comments that it's very arthur dent anybody <laughs> who's uh hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy fan recognizes that reference but not only that but <laughs> he I mentions didn't. but he mentions arthur dent and then says he's a really nice guy so Right, so it's as like, if he knew exactly. Him. Yeah, I like didn't Douglas pick Adams, that up. Oh my god! Uh, Douglas Adams has written um, episodes and books of Doctor Who. Of you know, Doctor Who, yeah. So it was it was a deliberate tribute to the uh, that. Oh uh, the my gosh! Author. I didn't even pick up on that. I'm gonna have <laughs> yes. to. I'm gonna have to. Oh you need wow! To go back. You need to go back. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, listen. I love watching these episodes, and I don't mind walking. You know, watching, watching them again, again and again. <laughs> um, but so he gets introduced, and then he has this whole moment of like, yeah, I don't, I don't even know who I am yet. Like, mm-hmm. I, am I the guy that's sarcastic? Am I the? Uh, and all of a sudden, he turns into like the Highlander. and i i I get it you know he is an actual scottish uh citizen or you know he is a scot but like all of a sudden they're like sitting there with broad swords i you know i half expected one of them to say there can be only one it did feel that way but yes it's um my my favorite is when he's going through that i don't know uh before when he first comes out of the tardis and the the Sycorax leader says, "Who is this?" He's like, "I'll get to you in a minute." First, <laughs> first, we got to discuss a few things right. here. I'm not quite through that yet. That uh, that was a very good. Like I said, it, it, it was the perfect reintroduction to that character in his new form. Uh, so very easy to sort of jump into Doctor Who if you've never seen it because. It, it it is you know it, it I, I I believe it was you John that said it is kind of like a reset. This episode is kind of like a reset for the next season. Yes, and that's yeah. you know it's a nice way to you know for the old for the people who have watched it in the past. Uh, again, they why they put it on Earth originally to put you know to so you can have Harriet Jones and Mickey and Jackie, so you so the people remember who you're with, and then uh, but it's a fun. Almost outer space episode, so you can uh, 
so you can uh, still have that Doctor Who feel. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and there's such a, uh, again, tying it to things that I've seen, there is that uh, Deadpool moment where the the leader chops off the doctor's hand and the doctor's like, well, fortunately, because I'm still in the process uh, within 14 hours of my regeneration, I can do this. And you see like the little baby hand form and then, that I, I found that stay a baby hand quite as long as Deadpool. Does, it, yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> but it, I, I found that moment just so comical. It just, again, it's it's not Christopher Eccleston. I'll um, say this: the uh, with Christopher Eccleston introducing me to a lot of this stuff because um, yeah, I didn't watch a whole heck of a lot of Doctor Who as a kid. You know, I really, really like Christopher Eccleston. The whole thing that he did that entire season was just such a fun ride for me. And when he regenerated, there was that sense of disappointment. It's like we have lost this this being that has been so rewarding to, to watch. And watching this episode, by the time he got to It's a Fighting Hand, he had taken over in just that short amount of time. He had taken over as my favorite doctor. Wow. Hmm. Yes. And it's, you know, yeah. it's a lot to, uh, to uh, the fact that we all did love Christopher Eccleston, but the fact that it shows what a great actor David Tennant is, is and to mm-hmm. and knowledgeable of the doctor who mythos to be able to flow into it so well, because it was just, there was no, uh, first season of Next Generation that we just can't stand to watch anymore, uh, where people just don't know their characters. Short-haired dwarf, what? Yeah. Okay. Where people just don't know their characters as well as they should, mm-hmm. as well they should, because they're still figuring out. He hit the ground running, and I, I think when with uh, with Tennant, we got something with him that we don't always get, which is um, he was fluid, he was smooth, he was quick. And the script was written for his voice. Somehow, it sounded natural coming from him. Yes, well, that's that's also due to the part that uh, Russell T. Davies, who is the showrunner, and uh, I believe he wrote this episode. I'm not 100. Yeah, but he he did. But he has worked with with David Tennant in the past uh, and Mm. and since um, in other uh, in other projects besides Doctor Who. So yeah, Casanova. yeah, Yeah, he he did. Yeah, that was so, so they so they knew each other. So to write for to write well for an actor when you know him is so much easier. Oh yeah, and it just this could be again my my ignorance on other doctors, but is the doctor always the sort of inquisitive, childlike um, behavior that we have seen so far out of Eccleston and now David Tennant? No, because it's a full character reboot it is um the different doctors have their different personalities the uh you can get cranky ones you can get uh childlike ones um arrogant ones they come across just pretty much the way either the showrunner is writing it or the actor themselves bring something to that and with tenant he's just a uh an energetic excited uh curious person who also is quite bright um you know he's probably the smartest person in the room most of the time is there um 
for Chris, uh, for Christopher Eccleston, it doesn't seem like he was trying to do any sort of uh, dialect or accent. He was just speaking the way he normally does. Right. Um, but Tennant is not Tennant does not sound as Scottish as I know he sounds when he speaks normally. Right. So is there a reason why? Because he's a uh, good actor. I think he was just trying to find <laughs> his character. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, but that, that's sort of demeaning to uh, to Eccleston because I think Eccleston is a, a good actor as well. I just well, I think I, I'm that, wondering if there was a deliberate choice to sort of I not that, make him uh, he so was, regionalized. Yeah, he was looking for a voice that wouldn't place him as a specific um, to be Scottish. Okay. So I have a question for Daniel. Yes. Uh, to, on the last. Um, episode of the uh, Parting of the Ways, the, the, mm-hmm. the young ladies who talked to you said that once you watch this episode, you will no longer see uh, the doctor as um, his character from Harry Potter. <laughs> is this the case? I, I would say that is 100% accurate. I did not see Barty Crouch the- anymore. <laughs> The, yeah, I did not see Barty Crouch Jr. at all. The moment he came out of the TARDIS in the bathrobe, he he was a different character, and I definitely I, I enjoyed it. I am looking forward to seeing what his adventures are going to be like now because I there there's something in his performance that I gravitated to. I think. Just as much as there was that spark of adventure that I got out of Eccleston in the first episode when he grabs Rose's hand and says, run, Mm -hmm. there's just this manic energy about what I saw from uh, Tennant. This sort of like there's a lot of energy coming out of him and I'm not quite sure where he's going to go with it, but it felt very familiar while still being new. Good. Does that make oh, sense? Oh, yes. No, absolutely. Yep. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure. I wanted to ask you this question because it's been hanging yeah. now for two episodes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, I, I definitely, I, I, I did not see that in, in his performance. Right. Uh, he was definitely, he, he inhabited the, uh, the shell of the man who gets to command the TARDIS. So is there anything in this episode that I uh, missed? I mean, it doesn't seem like it's an episode that seeds a lot of information. I think it was more or less, as we discussed, sort of a, a reboot of the the character with the new regeneration. But did I miss anything from this episode that's going to be crucial in uh, the coming season or seasons to come? Um, yes. <laughs> okay good yes. i'm glad <laughs> yeah there's definitely some stuff that you will discover along the way that uh that seem to be disposable here but uh somehow becomes much more important later um also like the one of the things that i really loved was when uh we were first introduced to harriet jones and she would you know say harriet jones and whatever mp mp that she was Glidale um, north yeah, nobody nobody cared. Nobody knew who she was or anything. Here, every time she says it, yeah, Harriet Jones, Prime Minister, uh, yes, ma'am, we know who you are. 
even the aliens, even the Sycorax said, yes, we know who you are. Mm-hmm. You know, that's hysterical to me that uh, it has evolved to that because her, her, yeah, the confidence that she had to put on to uh, survive the, uh, the Slitheen and survive the, the political wins. Um, she put that out there and it's like, okay, I'm going to be bold, extend my hand, introduce myself and move forward. And then, you know, there was that subtle thing. It's like, yeah, what those and six she, words. Six words. She, yeah, she definitely ends this episode being not Less. the the nice person that she was in uh, in season one. She definitely there. There's a little tarnish there, uh, and you know the fact that the doctor says, "I can end your I, I can end your reign with just six words," uh, and it it clearly he sets that you know, to play. Um, but that, that was pretty, that was pretty harsh. What she does, you know, calling in the Torchwood people and saying yes to what was clear, you know, sort of a, a retaliatory move. Uh, you know, that, that's definitely the move of somebody that is not nearly as kind as she appeared to be the first couple of times we saw her. And certainly the, the, the kind, uh, sort of level-headed person that she seemed to be at the beginning of this episode. So that was an interesting arc for her. Um, it's definitely um, it's um, definitely uh, a telling sign of how Earth has changed in the year yeah. and a half since we started mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. watching the Doctor. I yeah, I'm starting to really like the the idea that uh, you know things have consequences, even though time is fluid. Uh, and that those consequences don't necessarily always play up the way the doctor wants them to. Uh, and and humans constantly sort of show that uh, they're not as uh, resilient as the doctor gives them credit for and that they're a little more uh, easily led down to a, a darker, uh, baser version of themselves. So yeah. I, I enjoy to I enjoy seeing how those arcs develop. I'm, I'm looking forward to see uh, what happens with her. Yeah, and with Russell Davies as the, uh, the as the showrunner, um, the consistency throughout is fantastic. You know, every every season that he was in charge of, um, they fed onto each other. They added more things to the mythos. Um, and when he stepped down, you could feel like it had shifted things that he had created, um, didn't necessarily move on the way they could have, Mm. but that's for the future. Yes. I agree with that. Well, uh, once again, thank you, dear listener, for making it to the end of, uh, another episode. And I want to take a moment to deeply from the bottom of my heart thank both eric and john for joining me and for lending their passion and their knowledge of doctor who uh to both get me excited about this new season and to sort of hold my hand in this transitional episode into this new doctor so thank you both for joining me in this episode it's my pleasure i'm glad to do this we should do this again and now we're off to watch more doctor who i guess yeah, why not? We got they got nothing else to do tonight. Uh, I still need to finish off some of the more recent seasons. And uh, while you're going off to watch the episode, why don't you also swing on by the website? 
firsttimelord.com and leave a comment on this episode or any of our previous episodes. Let us know what you think of the show. Uh, you can also support us by going out and checking out our merch shop uh, with some cool new uh, Christmas apparel that has uh, been up there. And uh, you can also support the show by finding us on Patreon. You can find me as Daniel Levain on Patreon or follow the link from the website. And uh, $5 gets you these episodes as early as they're available. And there are other tiers that you can subscribe that get you extras and all sorts of other fun stuff. So stop on by, but any support is greatly appreciated. And now I guess I also have no time left but to go watch more Doctor Who. These human beings, consider their potential. From the day they arrive on the planet and blinking step into the sun, there is more to see than can ever be seen. More to do than... No, hold on. Sorry, that's the Lion King. But the point still stands.